Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. What is going on, peeps, and welcome to episode 93 of the Fretzelmania podcast, where I am reviewing Survivor Series 2002, but I didn't come alone. This week, I have a very important and royal guest, one I've wanted to have on my show since I started doing this uh, quite some time ago. It is the general manager of WrestleLogic Radio King, Ricky Rose. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Mr. Fretz. I had a long, stressful day, but the night is young, and this is the best part of my day right now, and I'm doing a great, great episode of the Fretzelmania podcast with you exclusively on WrestleLogic Radio. I've here for it and i love it ah yes we have the survivor series 2002 from msg and that's a venue that you have been to how many times now um numerous times at this point i mean not as not as much as people think i would probably be being a native new yorker and like living less than an hour away but i've been there a fair amount of times i know my way around the garden we'll put it that way that's very good, and this was on November 17th, 2002, in front of 17,930 fans, a sellout with a 340,000 person buy rate, and I got Sunday Night Heat and a little bit of pop culture, if you will, Ricky. We have Regal Ooh. and Lance Storm of the Un-Americans defeating the team of Goldust and the Hurricane because Booker T was otherwise occupied. And I didn't mm. watch that match. I didn't hunt that down. It's probably not worth it. Are you ready to talk a little bit about a November 02 pop culture? Oh, yes, absolutely. I do. I Honestly, Sunday Night Heat for me is pop culture because I didn't even think about finding that, uh, finding that match or segments or anything like that. That's back when it used to be on MTV and much music. It was, it was kind of crazy. But speaking of crazy, <laughs> we music, have... Nice. In movies, <laughs> Eight Crazy Nights with Adam Sandler, an animated uh, Hanukkah movie, The Friday After Next. You know, don't go in that bathroom for 35, uh, 45 minutes. Yes, Maybe. please don't. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. That's the first one, right? Uh, second, I think. Is that what was the goblin? I, yeah, I, I am not a Potterhead, so... Neither I haven't seen any of them. I, I I wouldn't know. Eight Mile, huh? The Santa Claus Two, and this is a big full circle moment. Nate, take a shot. Where we lead into a Santa Claus's uh, TV special landing on Disney Plus, I think, uh, in about a week or two with Tim Allen, of course. And, and I don't know how to feel about it. It might it might be all right. Did you see the Santa Claus movies, Ricky? I remember the first Santa Claus myself. Um, 
I don't. Rem- I remember Santa Claus Two being a thing, but I don't recall it being better than the first one. No, uh, I, I, I don't think it is. I, I do listen to a another pop culture podcast called Thirty Twenty Ten, where they go each week thirty twenty ten years ago, and they they lambast this movie. And here's another Christmas thing that is absolutely lambasted. And if you've never heard of this, I will completely understand. But it was made famous by the nostalgia critic. The Rap City Street Kids believe in Santa. An abomination in animation that is uh, has to be seen to be believed. It is almost like the room of Christmas specials. Uh, you ever heard of that one? The 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 Street Kids one? No, I have not. <laughs> no, you you're better off. Just look up the nostalgia critic for it. Uh, in video <laughs> game, in video games, we had Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Wow, the what ended up being, I think, the breakthrough GTA for for the franchise. I mean, GTA Three, I remember being a huge deal, um, but uh, but Vice City like really blew up bigger than before, and then it only got better for with San Andreas. Like a year or two later, we had Metroid Prime. Do you want to Metroid- hear an interesting story, Frats? Yes, I do. So, um, I don't know. I, I know you're a gamer and you're and you're into nostalgia and stuff. So, Microsoft and Xbox uh, just celebrated being in like gaming for 20 years, like either this year or last year or something like that. And so, they put out a five part docu series on YouTube on the Xbox page about the creation of Xbox. And the history of of the franchise and the consoles. There's a whole episode on the Red Ring of Death and what actually caused it, and all of this stuff. So, in one of their initial, I think in episode one, and it's really, I think you'll love it, Frets. If you want, you take the time to watch it on YouTube at your own pace. Um, in one of the, in one of the early episodes, they were talking about what games and stuff they were going to bring on board, and there was this, I think this not a renegade, but like a, a smaller unknown game that they wanted to bring that they were considering bringing on board and they passed on it i forgot the reason why they passed on it that franchise ended up being grand theft auto oh man and and then grand theft auto was almost a microsoft exclusive game wow i'm (laughs) i i will have to check this one out (laughs) (laughs) i will we also had metroid prime Metroid Fusion, which was just a Game Boy Advance remake of the first one. Ratchet and Clank, I believe the first game. Marvel vs. Mm, still Cap- going strong. It is. Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. And SmackDown Shut Your Mouth. That's a great year in gaming. That is. I actually, I bought a PS2 earlier this year and I got like literally all the SmackDown games right here. I just haven't had the time to really sink my teeth into it. In music, we had Jay-Z's The Blueprint 2. Ooh, that's a classic. We had System of a Down, Steal This Album, Audio Slaves, Self-Titled Debut, and Canadian Band. I had to throw in the Canadians for, for my sake. Some 41's Does This Look Infected. <laughs> Some 41. What a, what a band. Yeah, and the singer of that band used to date Avril Lavigne. And then Chad Kroger dated her for ages. 
<laughs> That's very true. Always found that funny. We had two Ring of Honor specials this month: uh, All Star Extravaganza and Scramble Madness. I believe was the first appearance of the Scramble Cage, and uh, th- those are reviews you can hear other people talk about. I didn't dig into the results of them. I usually do, but I didn't pull them up this time. But we're kicking off the show red, red hot with Bubba Ray, Spike Dudley, and Jeff Hardy. Going up against Three Minute Warning and Rico in a tag team elimination match. When we got another full circle moment here with Bubba and Jeff are both taking part in a match that they took part at Royal Rumble 2000 with the Dudleys and Jeff Hardy. Have you seen that one, Ricky? Of course, who hasn't? It's it's one of the best. It's one of the best Royal Rumble matches ever. It really it kicked off that that tag team division of the early 2000s. We had Bubba Ray Dudley press, no, pressing Spike to the outside on top of the heels. They try to catch him. Def, Jeff goes for a dive. Immediate we want tables chance. And commentary throws in a line here uh, about the Knicks. You know, they, they don't have someone who can jump like Jeff. Uh, who would they have had back in this day? Patrick Ewing would have been long retired by here, right, Ricky? What, 2000? What was it, 2002? Yeah. Pat's still around for a little bit. Uh, it's like the Latrell Sprewell days, but no one jumping out of a gym for the Knicks at all. Like nobody. That's... So, and that still holds true today, except for oh. Obi Top, and he's actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay. Spike with a was up, Jeff with a was up, and then he bops both of them to get the tables. And eventually we get a spot mm-hmm. here where Rosie goes through the table in the corner, but he is not put through them and thus not eliminated. We have a we have a bot spot here where Jeff goes for a flying maneuver and Rosie either doesn't catch him right or he drops him. There's just a bit of a botch there. We see this really wicked double alley oop spot to eliminate Spike for the match. We got uh the three minute warning going for a double splash that is denied. A whisper in the wind is denied. Uh, Rosie and Jeff are setting up a table near the balcony so you know exactly what spot they're going to try and recreate here. Uh, we see a we see a Bubba bomb. We see a we see Swanton Rosie through the table. Rico goes for the moonsault through the table but gets crotched. Superplex to the mm. table is denied by Jamal. There's a little bit here where Jeff goes for that tightrope spot but slips like every other tightrope spot that he does. See WrestleMania X7. Jamal throws Jeff through a table. We have Jamal splash through the outside through a table, which looked absolutely brutal. The second rope powerbomb Jamal through a table and the Dudley boys win this match. Three minute warning, come back. And then who comes out to help Bubba Ray, but Devon Dudley, a reverend, no more cleaning house and the 3d. How'd you like this one then? I like that. I do have some notes myself, especially with the opening to Survivor Series as well. Um, they really played up, in general, they really played up uh, the brand split. Like, they were very, very forward of, you'll only see these guys on Raw, you'll only see these guys on SmackDown. This is a Raw-breaded match, this is a SmackDown-breaded match. It's something I wish they would have kept in the second recreation of the brand split, the waters are very muddied right now. 
uh, in the current state of wrestling. But I wish I I would I hope or I wish that this is something that they could, which is hard to do this on this day and age. But I, I wish this is something that they would have kept around and being very taking a very hard line on you know keeping these guys separate, um, and everything like that. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's very weird the construction of MSG. This is before the reconstruction of Madison Square Garden, so this is the original what they worked with for a long time, and it's it was so unique. Obviously, you had the very interesting entrance because the way that MSG was shaped, you there's no they're like there's no like heart. It's like a giant circle, <laughs> and so they had to kind of make their own entrance way, which is also very cool but they added the secondary stage which they rarely ever did that secondary pyro stage yes which i I thought was really cool yeah there was something like that i think ray mysterio comes out of that later on but every time i see this original setup at msg i think of wrestlemania 10 with that with that sliding x yes the sliding x wrestlemania 20 they had something like that as well well they actually did a real stage for 20 um also, you mentioned Spike Dudley taking crazy bumps. Jeff's crazy over. Once I saw Jeff going and getting thrown into the crowd, I was like, oh, I know what's about to happen. Um, the athleticism of three-minute warning is something that I totally forgot about. Like, these were big men, but they were so fluid in how they could move. Ah, man. God like, rest so, their souls. So, so fluid. I could, yeah, I could... It, it is a shame what happened to them. I could just imagine if they were both still alive today and just them just hoeing the Usos around or even joining a bloodline would, wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing also. Yeah, also, I miss the Bubba Bomb so much. He does, he like, I understand why he doesn't use that anymore because that is a very dangerous move. If you don't do it correctly, you can really tear up your hip or your tailbone. Um, Just ask about yeah, I do miss a spot. Um, Jeff crazy over still, like in his prime. This, like the anytime Jeff did anything, the crowd was going nuts. The only thing that beat that was Devon coming out of his original gear and doing the three D, which I thought was a great spot. And it's a spot that works for Survivor Series number one because it's a big show, and number two because they were separated for so long, it makes the moment that much better because it's a mini, it's a fake mini re- reunion. Yes, and Devon would actually be drafted to Raw, so this would this would benefit them in the long run. I, I went through all of Reverend Devon's run on on my end, and it was a lot shorter lived and maybe not as good as I thought it was because I, I I love a stupid gimmick. I like wrestle crap. Wrestling is supposed to be fun and silly, but that one, once they got like Deacon Batista with the big chain and like, okay, let's, let's get this over with. And he's calling everyone <laughs> sinners and whatnot. He, he can still like, he can still do his sermon Dudley style, but man, that was truly special. And I wrote down here, what roof do you, what tag team maneuver do you prefer, three D or the big rig, aka the shatter machine? Huh. Uh, but three D is classic, and it's so clean. Like the Dudley Boys have never missed a three D. It is so clean. But I am going to go as much as I love a three D. I'm going to go with the shatter machine just because. 
the different ways they can get into that move is unbelievable. I've seen them pull that out of their I've seen them pull pull that move out of their ass when it was like there's no way you can set this up and they set it up and they make it look great every time. I think the Shatter Machine also just has a more devastating look to it at the end. It, like it the 3D even, is great, but the 3D is clean. But it's too clean. Yeah. The the Shatter Machine, it looks really good live too, because I didn't know it at the time, but at the AEW tapings, uh, they were doing dark just before, and the guns came out. They got the most heat the whole night. Mm-hmm. Ask, Ask Boys Chance, the whole thing. And I didn't know until yeah. I watched it on YouTube. They won the match with the Shatter Machine because they were like poking at uh, FTR a little bit. Ha. Huh. And did it pretty that good. That is too. pretty funny. They did it pretty good. And we have now at not WWF New York, now called The World, that doesn't have a. The same effect. Oh, I wanted to go there just just to say I went there, but I've heard so many stories on the podcasts. I went. It wasn't. I was a kid. What my my parents brought me. It's right in the heart of Times Square. It was really easy to get to. It was. It was. They rented a part of the Paramount Theater in Times Square. It was fine. I like it. And when I watched this segment again, I was like, "Why did they get rid of this?" Because. <laughs> Actually, not really money, because uh, I looked it up. It was, <laughs> ironically, they changed it to the world because they lost the suit and they didn't want to go from WWF New York to WWE New York, and they wanted to use the world. It's a it's a branding trick because they wanted to bring more of a gen, gen, generic audience. Right, right. To yeah. it. and it wasn't. It was losing money. Um, it was more so the fact that. At the time, Linda McMahon was CEO of WWE. Oh. She was the active CEO. And it was Linda's decision to sell the property to Hard Rock Cafe, which is what it is now. It's a Hard Rock Cafe. Go fucking figure. Um, (laughs) And to focus on more global efforts with the company which I get and I understand, and it was probably the smart move, to be honest with you. However, I think the idea of having a central location, 24, like 24-7, 365, in one of the biggest cities, in biggest and best cities in the world, that's a biased opinion because I am from New York, um, where you can have hardcore wrestling fans go to for for legal not legal I don't, I don't want to say legal but for um controlled autograph signings and appearances you can buy merchant buy merchandise there instead of going to the physical instead of going online you can physically go somewhere and buy merchandise you can have watch parties which the watch parties are amazing if you look back at that era that place was always slammed you know and- they always had someone there. Like I'm not booked tonight, so I'm going to this place to eat a eat a bunch I'm of. Gonna go to New York. Yeah, yeah. We we had the yeah, and it was it was great. We had the Niagara Falls one up here, and it, it was literally just like a store. It was a, in a hole in the wall in Niagara Falls. It was fun. I bought. <laughs> a, I, I spent a lot of money on merch when I went there one time in like '05. Mm. But and that's right around the corner from where the <laughs> Comic Con is now. 
Yeah, but like, think about that first. Think how cool that would be to have that in major cities around the world. I'm not saying like you're going to have stores everywhere. I'm not saying franchise all these stores. I think that's a little bit too much even for WWE, but like a New York, in LA, you know, someplace in the Midwest, someplace in the South, where again, you can have these WWE controlled autograph signings and appearances, watch parties. It just shows how big the fan base is. And I think it's some, if I had a chance to ask Triple H, so I'd be like, what are your thoughts on expanding? And so, like, imagine, like, you don't want to go sit and watch the paper at home. I'm going to go for you, Fred, to be like, I'm going to go to Toronto, to WWF's, you know, location, Toronto, and watch with a bunch of other wrestling marks. Like, how much more cool of an experience is that instead of watching it at home? That would be very fun. Uh, we did have uh, our famous players, like our movie theaters up there used to do watch WrestleMania backlash or whatever it, just in the movie theaters. And it apparently would, would be about as rambunctious as a live show was. I never got to go. And by the time I wanted to, and I had my driver's license and I could drive to go to these things, it was not a thing anymore. Yeah. They actually brought it back here in America. There are several um movie theaters around long island for me at least that will show like an aew pay-per-view or like a wrestlemania or something like that and you can send the movie theaters and watch it i have not gone yet but i've been very interested in going i would go to see full gear for that but then again i work i work early so we had wwf <laughs> new york here or the world and uh stacy stacy keebler was cutting a promo and saying something about test that he isn't here, but he wants to be with a throng of testicles. The, <laughs> the, fa- the fan base that Stacy was trying to go over for test. It got over up and like, I grew up like an hour away from where test did. So it, it popped us. It, it absolutely did. And speaking of <laughs> testicles, we have the band saliva. Are you familiar with saliva at all? Aside from the uh, Spider-Man one soundtrack, Ricky? Yeah, a little bit. I had I never listened to them religiously, but I knew who they were, and I knew they at the time they were pretty legit for their genre. And I definitely had this album. Always was probably one of my top songs from O two. Aside from that, from that Spider Man one, and we then see Always by Saliva set to a sizzle reel of all the feuds later in the show. We're gonna get this a little bit more, and I just wrote here down that Saliva was getting a little bit of buzz. Thanks to Spider-Man. We're leading into our next match. Billy Kidman challenging the cruiserweight champion Jamie Noble. So the feud between the filthy animals and young dragons reigns true. I had to poke in a little bit of near the end of WCW for uh, for good brother Mance. Shout out to Mance, by the way. We have yes. Billy Kidman lately has been having his number on SmackDown. That includes a SmackDown that I haven't watched or reviewed yet, spoiler alert, future shock. We have uh, that you can run rap theme. What did you think of his rap theme, Ricky? Who, Kidman's? Yeah. It was all right. Like, it was, like, it was, it was okay. It reminded me of him in WCW, but, like, it was nothing that, like, took my, like, it wasn't anything that really, like, got my intent. Like, oh, it's Kidman. Like, I didn't recognize the theme of again. Kidman never had a really good recognizable theme. He just knew it was him when he walked out. I think this was the one that would get him recognized because he had like three or four different ones from the Alliance to here. 
but we had a really good match here with uh, these two cruiserweights. We had something you would have found either on Nitro or even in the Cruiserweight Classic in 2016. Kidman with a really nice mm-hmm. Ushi, Ushi Goroshi. Adam Cole is definitely taking notes here. Jamie Noble with the Falcon Arrow. A Billy Kidman goes for the shooting star press, but Nidia saves Jamie. See a slingshot leg drop by Billy. A uh, suplex reversal, a Tiger Bomb's reversed. Nidia slaps Billy. And we see a bit here with the BK Bomber. The Tiger Bomb is reversed into a backslide. The Tiger Bomb, which is Jamie Noble's finisher at this time, is kicked out by Billy Kidman. We see a slick super DDT. Jamie Noble with a superplex is reversed into a super X-Factor. Shooting star press. And the six-month reign of terror for Jamie Noble is over. Kidman is the new cruiserweight champion. Ricky, how'd you like that? You know, I I wrote down in my notes, it makes sense that Noble and Kidman went on to be producers for WWE because they constructed a fantastic match. That is a technically awesome match to watch. Um, And it makes so much sense that they went on to become backstage producers because just from that alone, they know how to put on a a match that had no business being that good for any reason whatsoever. And I also love the fact that that Kidman, in his prime, could hit that shooting star press from any angle, from any distance. Like, he hit that press uh, at Survivor Series, and Jamie Noble was inches under him. You know, he could have easily overshot that, but he knew how to, like, how high to jump and when to contort his body so that he landed clean on Noble and hit him. It's it's a beautiful thing to see. There's no one else that can hit a shooting star press like Kidman from any angle and from any distance. And, and a lot of people, like, put Kidman on the, the bad on the bad ends of the shooting star presses and would put people like Paul London or uh, Evan Bourne over for better variations of it. I think that was mostly from a bit. I didn't know it was shoot or or not where Kidman hit uh, Chavo Guerrero like right in the face with his legs and a shooting star a couple of years after this. Oh. And, and then it led into mm. a, a bit of a storyline where he was afraid to use it and didn't end up doing it. Backstage, we have Kurt Angle, who is just comedy gold during this time. He had backstage <laughs> saying, did you see that? Even if Billy F and Kidman can win the Cruiserweight title, then we can win back our tag titles, saying to Chris Benoit. It's like, listen to the team captain. And I wrote in brackets here, Alicia Fox. Uh, <laughs> him and Benoit are having a, a bit of a spat here. Tag partners don't don't shake hands. They got a hug. Makes me think of a line from Tommy Boy. We see this F view camera, which I think was kind of a po- not a precursor, a opposite of that version of GTV, where Victoria is talking to herself or the voices in her head. They understand. They talk to her, and uh, she snaps. Yeah. Leading into our next match for the women's title, Victoria versus. Trish and Victoria's having a bit of split personality here. We're not quite at the the tattoo phase of Victoria, but this was Ricky. I'm leaving this one with you. What did you think of this match? The Victoria and um, Trish Stratus match. Uh, number one, before we get to that, uh, 
like you said, Kurt Angle's comedy gold. Benoit can't act worth a damn. I was like, wow, you cannot. I'm like, Benoit's just saying his lines for the sake of saying his lines, but it's Kurt Angle carries that segment. Um, I'm a big Victoria fan. I've always been a big Victoria fan. Uh, I think she is highly underrated, especially for the time that she wrestled in. Um, cause she was probably the best technical women's wrestler on that roster at the time. And she was so young and she's an entertaining person. I've met her before. She's really cool. Um, this match in particular, um, number one, the video package was fantastic. You totally knew what the story was going into the match. You had not seen it before. You know, Victoria plays a great cycle, a very hot cycle too, by the way. It was the first Hardcore rules women's match in three years, which I thought was interesting. Um, I love the fact that all the weapons were readily available to them, like on on the different ring posts, which I thought was really cool. What I didn't like, um, because I think it's kind of cringe looking back at it now. Like, uh, for instance, Jr. said during the match, "This is undiva esque." This is an undiva esque match for these two beautiful ladies. And in my mind, I was like, just let them wrestle. <laughs> you know, it's wrestling. You know, they really tried to hone that, oh, we we don't usually let them do this type thing. Um, and then also what I also found kind of cringe and kind of yikes now is the fact that there was a lot of weapons that could have been turned been deemed like domesticated weapons like for instance they use an ironing board there was a broom there is a mirror there is a baking sheet and i'm like really we couldn't have got them any better weapons but they really wanted the home but these are women you know and this is how women should fight type thing with the holes like oh very cringe um be but as it may um, I think Victoria was leaps and bounds from a skill perspective ahead of Trish at this point in time. Um, and the, the crowd didn't give this match enough respect as it should have. Cause these women went at it. Like it's a, like they, they're like, Oh, we're doing a hardcore match. And they wanted to really, they knew how to use the weapons. It's so, it was such a breath of fresh air to see, a female wrestler know how to use a weapon and swing it and swing it like veracity. Um, and they were really hurting. So Victoria got a bloody nose. Um, there was a one funny spot where Victoria forgot to pull the pin out of the fire extinguisher. Yeah. <laughs> but they, that, that, they that, covered that, it up quite well. Yeah. That was kind of, that was a that was a bit of a botch. I actually I watched this live and I I had the live recording for a while and it was it was very apparent back then and even, <laughs> even what led to the like that spot led to that snap suplex that won the match and I thought that was kind of abrupt or like a snap suplex really like I thought she was using the the widow's peak so I don't know what the deal was there but I enjoyed it and I don't I, think she you know what I think it was. I think it's I think it's one of two things. Either one, there's a legit injury, which also was always going to happen. They could have just pulled the trigger and yeah. said, "Hey, we got to go." You know what I mean? Or I I the way I look at it, the mirror was there, and they hadn't readily used the mirror, and the mirror was already broken. And I think the finish was supposed to be a snap suplex on the mirror. It plays into the story. 
Oh, okay. You know what I mean? But it the 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 mirror went into business for itself and already broke. So I think it was like, well, what are we going to do now? That's why I feel like it, I did feel like it was abrupt too. Like this doesn't seem like the right ending, but I think it's because the weapon that they were going to use for the finish was already broken. And thus seven years of bad luck uh, followed them. Ricky pop quiz here for you. Do you, (laughs) do you know when Victoria's actual debut was in the fed? It wasn't here. It was a little bit earlier. Uh, when it was, I, yeah. Jesus, I do not know. I'll be completely honest. I do not know when Victoria's debut was. 2000, she was one of the Godfather's hoes. Now that you mention it, I do remember hearing that. <laughs> yeah, th- there was a bit here. I do remember hearing that was one of her first appearances. And then, yeah, leading up to SummerSlam 2000, when the Godfather became the good father... Uh, she sided with the too cool or something, and I think she got put through a table because she was training at OVW. Actually, she was already well into the business at this point because she was, I don't know how old she would have been right here, but a little bit older than Trish. She, she's been seasoned, and you can definitely see her experience pay off in this match. And she's the new women's champion on Raw. Yeah, good for her. It was well-deserved. We do. We have Coach uh, is asking for insight on the chamber. And uh, Bischoff has basically said this is laying groundwork for the future of this business, which I thought was a fantastic line. Big Show then meets Bischoff and he promises, basically promises Bischoff to regret letting him go from Raw. He'll become the champion. Paul Heyman here has been nervous uh, leading up to this next match, which is Brock versus Big Show for the title. Heyman's been planting the seed of doubt into Brock Lesnar, saying things like, you can't beat Big Show, you can't suplex the Big Show, you can't F5 the Big (laughs) Show. Spoiler alert, he does two of these things in this match, and it really gives us good, uh, maybe uh, maybe, uh, I'm leading into this wrong way, but maybe good psychology into this match for Brock, because he has smashed everyone. He He ended Hulk, well, not really ended, but he beat Hulk Hogan in decisive fashion, wiped his blood on him. He beat The Rock. He beat everyone he put in his path. And the big show is his biggest threat thus far. I mean, yeah, I think he's beaten, maybe beat Kane at this point in time, but I can't, I can't really remember. But Brock and Big Show for the WWE (laughs) title. I wonder if this ends in controversy because it's Survivor Series. And Big Show is wearing (laughs) the tank top and the pants. This match gets a little bit a little bit plodding, but gives Brock a lot of hope spots where Big Show continues to outpower him. Brock then suplexes the Big Show, like a back suplex and a German. Very loud. Let's go Lesnar by the smarky New York crowd here, and rightfully so. F5 is countered. Ref bump, a belly to belly. Heyman tosses a chair into the ring. Big Show goes for the choke slam, gets a low blow, eats a chair shot. F5, and still, no. Paul Heyman pulls the ref out and screws Brock <laughs> Lesnar, leading to a chair shot, a chokeslam on the chair, and a new undisputed champion. Another Survivor Series, another screw job finish. Man, <laughs> future shock, we're going to see one in 2022, but who is it going to be? Who knows? I mean... 
Did you expect anything else from the ultimate weasel and Paul Heyman? Uh, I didn't. I mean, I also think Paul would make a great concerned housewife with the way he perseverates over stuff. Um, it's absolutely fantastic that that same worrying character from 20 years ago has resurfaced under the tribal chief Roman Reigns now that we're leading into uh, Not So Crown Jewel, <laughs> which I think is very, very funny that he hasn't changed that character at all. Um, the Big Show, man, my goodness, was he a force in the early 2000s. Like, he is a monster. He is huge. He is athletic. He is down. Like, he is what you want Braun Strowman and Omos to be. And even, like, well, Warlord's a little bit smaller, but um, Luchasaurus, essentially, you want them to be a foreboding presence. Like, when Big Show showed up, he is a presence. And you know what he's about. He makes Brock look like a freaking child, even though Brock is over like Rover with the New York crowd, and that doesn't last for much long after this, as we all know. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> with that, but show winning and Brock being so, because remember, Brock won that title in New York on Long Island in August. He ret- essentially retired the full-time career of The Rock. I was there for that. <laughs> oh, really? You, know? you were at SummerSlam. I was that. That was my first one. I was that's a great summer sim. You ever want to review that? I was. I don't remember much from it, but I was there. I, my dad took me and my friend. That's also the HBK return as well. I did review that one with. Uh, I think I did it with <laughs> Nate earlier this year. Uh, it, that's a like 2002 is underrated. Everyone talks about how good the Attitude Era was, but man, ruthless aggression is off to a good start. And you were talking about Big Show being foreboded, boating. This is what. I think they wanted Big Show to be when he debuted because 99, he, he had a, he didn't have a good first two, three years in the company. Like in 01, like I'm listening to the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. They just got to the invasion. God help them because I did that last year. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> and they were, co- commentary is basically calming Big Show a fat piece of shit, saying something about, yeah. cheese, like, oh yeah, he'll go after that guy like he goes after a cheeseburger. Like, just call him fat and get it over with. And he, he's trimmed down maybe a bit by this point in time. He doesn't get as big as he did. And like, I I've met the guy when he is just shredded to the gills, but a few years after this, he would let everything go and then just not look pretty. But he, he is great right here. He's the new champion. Spoiler alert. Not for long. I'm going to get there next month, but man, <laughs> We have another screw job finish because Vince just loves pushing the screw job button. We saw it in 98 with The Rock. 99, not so much, but you know, that's when Stone Cold got ran over by a car. We would Yeah. We would we we would see some more. Like I think 03 they did a bit where it was Steve Austin versus Bischoff. I did that one too. That's a damn good Survivor series. Speaking of damn good, we got the freaking SmackDown six, Ricky. Tag team title elimination match we have to have an elimination match at survivor series so you might as well spice it up a little <laughs> bit instead of having a four on four which i'm all for i would love survivor series to be nothing but four on four like like it was in the early 90s but that's just me we got benoit and angle versus los guerreros versus the new tag team champions as of last couple of weeks ago in the podcast now edge and Rey mysterio and Another full circle bit. They 
they tagged, I think, just a couple of maybe a couple of months ago now. I think when Raw was in Toronto, we had Edge and Ray just turning back the clock to this classic uh, bit here. Benoit and Angle are fighting like an old married couple. We see an, <laughs> another in ring banger between the two on SmackDown not long before this. And then we see the uh, newly engaged couple of Al Wilson. And Don Marie watching this match from afar. <laughs> oh, I'm man. so jealous of Al Wilson for pulling that off, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, n- nothing is hotter than being in the shower with a naked woman fully clothed. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Oh, man. Oh man, and we're 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 gonna get there. Royal Rumble 03. I'm I'm doing that with Will, so he's in for a treat when they have their match. It was like, look at Don, look at Al, look at Don, look at Al. Yeah, we get it, Colin Taz. Oh. <laughs> then we see a whole bu- hear a bunch of lawn mowing jokes from Latino Heat because <clears throat> fill in the blanks here, folks. It's 2002. Extremely loud, you suck, Chance. And even reviewing Edge for the past year and a bit, it is still weird hearing Rob Zombie do his theme and not Alter Bridge. Although I love Rob Zombie, but. Ultra it's still pressure. a great theme. The never gonna stop theme would have been Edge's best theme if he didn't change the Alter Bridge. Yeah, then they they lost they lost a bit of a a license deal because in in '04 when he came back, it was his ENC theme from 2000, which is just nothing but noise, and that was one of the many reasons that the crowd was starting to sour on him right before he turned Rated R. Because in Toronto, SummerSlam '04, Future Shock here, he. Uh, Oh man, I, I know people who were there, they blew the shit out of them. Like we were not having <laughs> boring edge. But this is when Edge wasn't boring. This is right before he broke his neck. And we have uh mm. Rey Mysterio coming out from the other end of MSG. I don't know if that was the aforementioned stage thing that you were talking about earlier, but this yeah, is a cool that visual. Is, that is the pyro stage, and I just want to say if you look, I'm not I'm not an AV guy at all. But if you are a casual fan and you see that the way they shot it, the cameraman is perfectly has the camera on the ground. So Ray Mysterio, when you see the pirate ever, Ray Mysterio looks like he jumps 20 feet up in the air and you have a crowd of New Yorkers going absolutely insane for him. It is a, it is of all the shots that they did of all the visuals. That's probably the best visual of a night because it creates that larger than life atmosphere. Like I'm not just at some sort of sporting event. I'm at a spectacle. And and I think also the fact that no one expected Ray Mysterio to come out of that stage. I didn't expect it for him to come out of it either. But it was yeah. it's so cool to look at. I replayed it like three or four times. Like, this is awesome. That is fantastic. And and the pyro being right there, I was about a dozen rows up from the pyro right by the commentary desk at AEW. You could feel the heat coming off that. Like Luchasaurus's pyro, especially. Like I was sweating. Yeah, it's hot, man. <laughs> and those bright lights, like I didn't expect to sweat <laughs> that much. That's why they say bring deodorant to wrestling shows. And thankfully I was freshly when I was there, but uh, that not <laughs> so much for the people around people around me. Uh we have a really good fast. <laughs> Fast-paced match here. Double arm drag. 
Benoit chops, angle is tagged in. We see the Spigingo, that is a back body drop for Ruthless Aggression podcast listeners. Angle tags in Chavo. This is the, the one, these are the ones that really grind my gears where anyone can tag anyone. I, I really don't care about that rule in multi-tag team title matches. That that may be just me here. It's kind of a Kevin Irk. Ray and Eddie give us a little bit of a Halloween Havoc 97 clinic here. Just a little taste, yeah. which, which makes me want to go back and watch that match because that is probably WCW's best match of all time. I'm not going to lie. Angle tags in here, and we get a little bit of a face-off with a SummerSlam rematch. Taking you back there to Angle versus Rey Mysterio that kicked off that show. Like, my God, that was amazing. Let's go Angle Chance yeah, by the Smart Show to be up. Was, I am jealous. Loud Let's Go Angle Chance <laughs> by the Smart New Yorkers. We see a backdrop into the corner, which looks absolutely brutal. There's a moonsault and a slip. Angle slam into the arm drag. Ray is being worked over here. Edge finally gets the hot tag, and he is locked in both the ankle lock and a cross face. But, you know, if, even if you tap out here, the, they're not going to go for it. Eddie uh, sunset flips while Benoit Germans edge. That has to be the spot of the match. That was fucking spectacular. A double pin and a double kick out. Like two guys pinned two guys. Everyone kicks out. Eddie is suplexed out of the ring. We see a whole bunch of Germans. Frog splash. Air Canada. Cross face on edge. Ankle lock on Eddie. Illegal. There's a miscommunication by Benoit and Angle. Spear on Benoit. And then Benoit is eliminated. Angle snaps. Benoit snaps to think this is the catalyst that leads to their classic match at Royal Rumble 03. And I can't wait. That is spectacular. Fans are pissed here, by the way, because they wanted Angle and and Benoit. Mm -hmm. And Eddie suplexing Edge. We see a one-man flapjack. Ray with a hot tag. Tilt World backbreaker. Chavo Stinger splashes Uncle Eddie by mistake. A wicked spot where Edge pops up Ray to the top rope with uh, the Hearn Conrana. But then we get a belt shot. Ray is locked in the underrated submission hold, the lasso from El Paso. I thought he was he was passed out. So good. But he taps out. It reminds me of the Hoss of Pain, but it's not quite as vicious. But fantastic move. Los Guerreros. Mm are your new tag team champions. Dude, holy shit. <laughs> Listen, there's a reason they're called the SmackDown 6. This was a masterclass in work rate and efficiency and ring psychology by every person involved in that match. It is beautiful to watch. That is a match that you show an aspiring wrestling student. You need to be like V6 guys. They told the story. They worked. They worked fast. They worked smooth. They worked safe. Very big thing. They worked safe with each other, um, and they told a great story. There was a there was a couple of yikes moments that I saw, especially when Los Guerreros was coming out. They shot to the crowd about two or three times, and of being like, "Oh, the, the and there were signs of the Guerreros mow my lawn mm-hmm. and stuff," and I was like, "Oh, that's cringe." <laughs> yeah. Although they would no, do that joke with the Mexicals. Yeah. Otherwise, fantastic. Fantastic match. And to think that's the cooldown. <laughs> you know, wow. to think that's the cooldown match for the main. And you show this match. This is something that uh, Victor Perry would show to the wrestling club. Like, big shout out. If, if you haven't heard of them, Ricky, have you 
these guys are awesome. It's this teacher mm-hmm. that has this club. You know, I, I follow the wrestling club. Yeah, when I was at Raw, uh, the first Raw of the post-Vince era, um, I walked past them as they were doing a video, like, thanking WWE for getting them to Raw. So I, I didn't know it was them at the time, but I was like, oh, I think that's the wrestling club. But, yes, I do know them. I do follow them. So shout-out to Victor Perry. Great guy. I should probably try to get in contact with because we definitely, I would definitely love to pick his brain um, and get him on the Wrestlatic Radio's network. Oh, that that would be awesome. Yeah, v- Victor's a great dude. This is something I, I they've probably already watched this. They've watched so many friggin' matches, and we get this might be a bit of a cool down spot, but it's a pretty major moment. We see Christopher Nowinski coming out to actually the the Harvard fight song. Like the network didn't uh, alter this because <laughs> if you watch Rumble O three. It's kind of altered. Uh, it's much like uh, X Factor coming out to Uncle Cracker only on pay per view during the invasion era. He cuts a promo on New Yorker, a you people promo. What do you mean, you people? Uh, shut the fuck up, chance. Uh, <laughs> say in New York that is uh, street smarts are not the same as intelligence. You're number one and stupid. And then, of course. The typing starts, which means Matt Hardy, <laughs> version one, comes out here. And I wrote down the Matt facts like I do every week. Matt keeps the room temperature at a toasty <laughs> 75 degrees and only drinks low-fat chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Hardy joins the crapping on New York party. And who better than Canyon to back up New York than a guy from Michigan, Scott Steiner. <laughs> Making his debut in the WWE, drop foot and all. My God, this run is disastrous, but it's so good to see Scott Steiner, see a Steiner line, suplexes, push ups. And this was cut off the network, but I had the live version, and you can hear him screaming, Give me a fucking mic to uh, Chimmel or someone. It says, To all my freaks out there. Oh, big- he does say that. He does. To all my big freaks out here, big pump a pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. And, man, before we get in the main event, there's another big spot here. But Scott Steiner is here, Ricky. What do you think? Listen, he has one of the greatest nicknames in all of wrestling, the Big Bad Booty Daddy. Nothing beats that. It is an amazing name. I mean, Scott Steiner, you can argue, is all look, and and that's about it. <laughs> you know, don't ask him to cut a promo, but Scott Steiner is also a legit badass. That's still wrestling. And I would never want to put my hands on the man. Cause he looks terrifying, especially at this day and age, especially at this time when he was debuting, he was at the peak of this new age, Scott Steiner. I loved the look, the chain mail, yes. the chain mail, um, headpiece, and the really, really small glasses, the really, really small shades. I don't know how it, how that worked for him, but for some reason it worked probably because he's massive at this point. Um, it's the perfect look for him because he's in New York too. New York loves the, the outlandish. And so it was a perfect fit. The smarky crowd of New York loved him. We all knew it was coming too because we also had, they had, um, it was like Bite This or something. It was one of their shows. Was I really wish they could, do something like that in the new age, maybe on like a talking, like raw talk or talking smack or something like that, where they revealed that they signed Scott Steiner. 
So you didn't have to go through the interwebs or anything like that. They're like, Scott Steiner's coming. We just don't know when. And then he showed up, which was a cool thing to do. Um, and he looked great. The run wasn't run well, is what it, is what it is, but at that moment in time, Scott Steiner was the biggest name that they could find. And your big names always debut either at a Rumble or at a Survivor Series. And there's a great spot for him. I do want to talk about Chris Nowinski. Yes. Um, the hard, a legitimate like he he they played the Harvard thing song. This wasn't a gimmick. He's actually a Harvard graduate. He actually has a PhD. He is the reason um, that the NF, he's one of the biggest reasons, besides the character that Will Smith portrayed in the movie as well, that the NFL was forced to do concussion protocol. He's one of the big reasons uh, about the concussion movement in pro wrestling as well. Chris Nowinski as a character was average. Him as a person it's one of the smartest people that you can find in the in the sports and in the sports and entertainment business, and he's a person that can that he his life's work is to preserve these athletes' brains, um, and their livelihood for as long as he can. He has dedicated his life to helping to solve this very real CTE and concussion. Um, problem that is still a thing and you know god bless the man for continuing to do it and continuing to be active um in all fronts about this yeah he i think he got uh benoit's brain when when he did what he did he did and uh you know found that it was like i think they put it as like an 80 year old alzheimer's patient or something like that which is just absolutely Mm -hmm. horrifying but the the winsky rules i loved his gimmick like i love these smarty pants i'm better than you gimmicks although i didn't care for dean douglas but a guy like bob backland who was a raving lunatic i i i love these ones and <laughs> nowinski was no different he was a runner-up to uh tough enough that was won by uh by main event maven yeah. and he, but it's he crazy because a... he actually was a harvard grad so it wasn't that far off from who he truly was Oh yeah, and Which he, was cool. he, was, he was awesome on tough enough too. He he was just a smarmy prick like he was here. It was very very good. Down comes the chamber. We're getting into the main event, but we have a Shawn Michaels interview that is interrupted by RNN breaking news. Randy Orton. So that made me laugh. That made me laugh so much. Was, oh man, it popped me back then because I'm I'm going through SmackDowns now, and I'm like, where's Randy Orton? And Going back to Scott Steiner here, I just had to sideberg there for that one. Uh, he has been alluded to on commentary for the past little while. And you remember that bit where Eric bit on Halloween where Bischoff had the Vince mask on, and then he put his moves on Steph. Yeah. Which is just weird thinking about it in, in that way. Uh, Scott Steiner was basically the catalyst for that. It's something about we'll get, I'll get his contract or something. And then, he, you know, he, Shoots his shot on Stephanie, and apparently it it worked out a little bit. But that's how he got the contract. That's the story. Well, that's kind of like well, because SmackDown and Raw are bidding for his services, and I think he mm. comes out on on Raw the next night or something. I'm only doing SmackDowns, thankfully. I, I just don't have the time to do everything. But RNN interrupts HBK, and this is fun to look at with the benefit of hindsight, given their history. Orton took time out of his recovery. To come to New York and fly here so 
you know, he thanks his sexy flight attendant, Sherry, who made sure that he was comfort comfortable on this long flight and no further damage was done to his shoulders. You can send your emails <laughs> to getwellrandy at wwe.com. I really wanted to see if that still worked, but I I forgot about it. And this is some <laughs> great fo- foreshadowing given the legend killer. Uh, he, he, I think he would debut about six months after this because he he fucked his shoulder on a on a live event not long yeah, before this. It, it was bad. But yeah. we're here in the main event, Ricky. It's the Elimination Chamber. The first. Oh, yeah. The first Elimination Chamber. 20 tons of steel. How did they say how many miles of chain? Oh, I don't remember. I want to say it was... I want to say close to five, but I might be I might be totally downplaying the many miles of, of chain. But it's a lot. It's a lot of chain. It was, and uh, it's it's kind of funny. You no, know, we're we're the WWE is getting rid of a lot of their uh, gimmick pay per views, but actually they're keeping the Elimination Chamber, and it's going to be in in Canada in Montreal. Montreal, so, baby. Oh, that, and dude, if you ever it, you have to go, that city is fucking awesome. It's great. <laughs> I've been I've been told I should go. I've been told by another native Canadian who's a super fan of my show um, that I probably shouldn't go because they're assholes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely. So it's, but it's a toss up. Uh, yeah, I said uh, I I never partook because when I went to Quebec, it was uh, when I was a pastoral intern, and the uh, other pastor at my church was from Montreal. He built like a youth mm. center over there. So he used to take uh, a gaggle of kids down there for March break just to do a bit of a culture thing. So one day you're hanging out at the youth center. One day you're hanging out at a homeless center. One day you're at the Holocaust Museum. The next day you're at uh, St. Viator's Oratory. And of course, we're taking in the smoked meat, the poutine, the bagels. And I- I'm sorry, mm. New York, but Montreal bagels, ah, just... Mm. Yeah, you say that now. Just come to New York. I'll change your mind real quick. Uh, I that and pizza. I'll, oh, dude, I have to have a New York slice. I mean, the pizza up here. Like I, <laughs> I'm directly across the street from a pizza place, but it is delicious. Like they're run by like a really sweet uh, Hungarian couple. But my God, a New York slice mm-hmm. would, would sound good. Elimination Chamber for the World Heavyweight Championship. Big Goldie. He's right down here on my trophy shelf. HBK versus the world champion Triple H versus Booker T versus Kane versus one half of the tag team champions, Chris Jericho and Rob Van Dam. And this whole thing was basically Eric Bischoff trying to outdo Stephanie McMahon, Raw trying to outdo SmackDown, the aforementioned really cranking the brand, the brand split here up to 11 and uh i think bischoff cut a promo just before this talking about it leading leading right into it and saliva once again is being seen here playing chris jericho to the ring to king of my world for the first time since wrestlemania 18 where they did the very same thing that was jericho's theme for a short period of time that's an absolute banger i I love that theme i love saliva we see uh, the visual of Booker T's pyro with the chamber itself from afar. The way that camera panned that was mm-hmm. was awesome. 
I think they kind of did the same thing with Kane. Listen, but... man, I wish they should bring back that pyro stage. That yes. pyro stage is a great visual. Even if they just did it for MSG shows, it's a it's a great visual to have. It's so unique and so different. I'm like, why? How, how come I never did it before? Because if you've been to a WWE live event, which I know you have, friends, especially during their pay per views or premium live events that they call them now. Between if you like in the back, like directly behind the thing, but after the floor, like the floor seats end, and then you get the actual like arena seats. There's some space there. There's usually a good amount of space depending on the arena. Why not have a an extra stage or something really funky like that? They can do that for me. For me, it's just a cool visual. Yeah. Like a bigger venue, like uh, like the Sky Dome. Like I refuse to call it what it's called now, but the Sky Dome would have something like that because you can host <laughs> sixty five thousand people, like they did for two WrestleManias. And regardless how we feel about Kane as a person today, Slow Chemical still freaking slaps. I love that theme. And yeah. we see a, a statistic here, you know, as if you know stats and wrestling matter, right? AEW Kane is four and one at Survivor Series, <laughs> and Shawn Michaels comes out in. Uh, those unfinished poo brown tights and the bob haircut. I know they were going for something really lavish for Sean's gear here, but I think they just ran out of time. And commentary compared Shawn Michaels' return here to uh, Michael Jordan returning to the NBA in, I think it was 95, which I thought was fantastic. Which maybe, yeah, makes the me end, want to watch the end the of 95. Game. It makes me want to watch The Last Dance again. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I listen, I, I'll put that documentary on anytime. It's amazing. That that was great. That was like early pandemic viewing too, along with Tiger King. It was rushed out because they need they ESPN wanted people to tune in to watch something because sports weren't on. Literally, no. I when when everything you know hit the fan up here, you know, hockey like NHL was canceled, NBA was canceled, so Sportsnet like our our ESPN up here needed to fill the void. So I'm surfing the the channels one Sunday afternoon and what do I see on Sportsnet but like WrestleMania like thirty one or something? Just pff, right on there because they needed to, <laughs> they needed to fill nice. something. Like like that's back when I had basic ass cable. Yeah. I got a satellite in here now. It's it's friggin' fantastic here. We have starting this match the two men who main evented Unforgiven, Rob Van Dam and Triple H. Triple H is going for a pedigree right away. His back dropped into the steel. That's back when this steel actually looked and sounded vicious. Where I get in the modern chamber, having a little bit of padding is safer for the workers for one thing. It's going to prevent a lot of injuries, but I liked this iteration of it. And uh, Triple H right away... <laughs> He already blades monkey flip into the steel <laughs> rolling thunder into the steel RVD climbs on top of Jericho's pod but because Jericho is such a friggin dickhead. He grabs Van Dam's foot and then you know, he gets, he gets knocked off. And speaking of Jericho, he's the next man in it is a two on one on Rob Van Dam and RVD like that Spider-Man spot on the cage. Nah, just chef's kiss. That was phenomenal. Moon salts Jericho. New York loves Rob Van Dam. I mean, can I blame him? And with that Spider-Man spot, reminded me of that Spider-Man one on 
DVD was coming out because it's Christmas. Y2J suplex, <laughs> <laughs> the cocky pin. A high knee by Triple H. And of course, uh, JR has to mention Harley Race. When he does the high knee, why not mention Brutus Beefcake? He did that too. Y2J with the crotch chops on HBK. Rob Van Dam fights back. Triple H with the DDT. Booker T is here, and we both future shock his partnership with Rob Van Dam and his WrestleMania match with Triple H. The lesser said about that one, the better. We see uh, Spinner Rooney, yes. uh, a low blow, uh, scissor kick, a five-star frog splash off the pod onto Triple H, and you knew you you know what happens to Triple H at that spot, right? Doesn't he? He hurts himself, right? He crushes his larynx, basically. Yeah, there, there, that, that, that's yeah. a big deal. And he finished this match like half an hour after that. He's struggling to breathe. That's why you don't see him participating for a little while, or he's only doing minuscule things here because he's trying to catch his breath and not freaking pass out. Just the and the balls on this man. RVD hmm. is. Eliminated by Booker T with a missile dropkick after this spot. Big booze. Tries to pin Triple H. That's a big nope. You can still see here Triple H is crawling, struggling to breathe. Kane is the next guy here. Cleaning house. Backdrop into Jericho. Jericho is javelin tossed into the steel. Kane chokeslams Booker. And then, of course, uh, the lion salt by Chris Jericho eliminates Booker T. Jericho tries to climb out this match like he's a. Didn't Kalisto try to climb out of the hole at the top and then did a big spot off it one year? Uh, no, William Kalisto climbed. Yeah, Kalisto climbed. It was the tag team elimination chamber, which was very weird because the New Day was allowed to have three people. Kalisto, I think it was Kalisto. He tied. He climbed to the center of the chamber from the inside and did like a, essentially like a falling crossbody onto the entire tag team division. It's the. Absolutely insane. We had Kane yeeting Jericho back into the ring here. Jericho low blows Kane. And finally, Shawn Michaels is in this match. Flying forearm to Kane. Kane chokeslams everybody. Sweet chin music to Kane. Pedigree, Lion Salt. Everyone gets their shit in, shit in on the big red machine. He's done. Triple H and Y2J preview their stellar WrestleMania match with some spots here. HBK is two on one. Jericho backdrops HBK on the steel. And uh, I think Sean and I had similar back surgeries. So I just, every time I see spots like that, my, my back cringes. Yeah. Forearm, the kip up, the bulldog, the lion salt, the walls of Jared. No, the walls of Sean Michaels presses A and B and no mercy. Does the lion's hammer himself. Triple H to the DDT. The walls on Triple H. Finally, Sweet Chin Music, Y2J's gone. We're down to the two men that ended SummerSlam 02. Wait, that no, that they didn't end. God, that didn't main event. Uh, stole the show at SummerSlam 02. Good friends, better friend, good friends, better frenemies. HBK Shawn Michaels, Double A Spinebuster, Triple H. Well, HBK lands on the steel. And just, we, have, we have a mini clinic here with, with these two. And... An elbow drop from the pod, sweet chin music reverse, pedigree kick out, pedigree reverse, sweet chin, new champion, Shawn Michaels. Just 
spot after spot after spot, Ricky. This match was phenomenal. <laughs> Maybe the match of O2. What do you think? I mean, there's a, there's a lot to uh, to really break down here. First off, Eric Bischoff. This is the last great idea that Eric Bischoff ever came with. Eric Bischoff, the purveyor of many different things, such as Raw Roulette, was Eric Bischoff. Uh, HLA was also Eric Bischoff. Some people enjoyed it. Other people did not. <laughs> um, and Elimination Chamber. Great by Eric Bischoff. The Chamber itself, I do agree. I loved the steel. But from a functional perspective, the new one is so much better. And I only say that because you can do aerial spots a lot better than the new one. Like, Robert Dam's frog splash in the first one, as okay as it was, it didn't look great. Because he because that angle and he was so compacted... It didn't look as spectacular as it could have been. Like, can you imagine that elimination chamber match in the new chamber? No. Oh. You know, it's 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 a very it's a it's it's a very interesting match. Some, and this match is great. Like, I don't remember many other debut mat debut gimmick matches that went over this well. And a lot of it in the first half is RVD. I wrote down here. This is an RVD mixtape. he for for some reason before he gets eliminated which is the first half of the match essentially rvd is a kid in a candy store he is the best part of that match for a very long time he is going banana it's like he's it's like he's used the cage before we know he hasn't because no one's seen anything of this magnitude before um, but RBT looks like a natural fit in the chamber, which is crazy. RBT gets eliminated. Things start going nuts. The Jericho moves. Um, a lot of pod breaking. Yes. Um, they really showcased all the different things you can do in the chamber match. And it's so interesting to see because we all know none of them have ever been in something like this. But these are literally six of the most professional of professional wrestlers at that time and maybe also even ever that you could have put in that type of atmosphere and allowed them to put on a great performance that they did. You have HBK, who's just a natural, Triple H, who is a general, RVD, who's athletic as hell, Kane, who's a great big man, a great sturdy anchor, um, Booker T, who can do anything you want him to do because he's just that athletic. And Chris Jericho, who can provide the charisma and pander to the crowd. Like, it is a that's a perfect formula for a six man. There's something for everybody in that match, and everybody plays off each other so well because everybody brings something different to the table. Um, and I mean, listen, what better place to debut something of this magnitude than at MSG? You have MSG, you have HBK, everybody's still hot for HBK and his return. Shawn Michaels shows out in the biggest, in the world's most famous arena. He gets the confetti ending, which I wish they would do more for new champions, especially at big pay-per-views. And it just, it, 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 you know, it really pushes the narrative up. It just means more when you're in Madison Square Garden. The best performances are in MSG, which, you know, in, in almost any sport, basketball, hockey, uh, and pro wrestling. Things happen in MSG that don't happen anywhere else <laughs> a lot of the time. 
and you they the people at MSG got to see a classic that'll live on forever. Like compared compared to when they debuted the Hell in a Cell in like ninety six, ninety five, ninety six. It's a great first match, but it's not as memorable from a match perspective as it is the, as the Elimination Chamber is. The Elimination Chamber match is one of the most recognizable Elimination Chamber matches that they've ever done. And that was the first one. I can't really talk about all the other ones that they've done because this one was that damn good. This one was good. The follow-up at SummerSlam 03 was okay, although it had the absolute wrong result. And I think there was, there were some years after Oh three, I don't know if they retired it for a bit. They brought it. Oh, they brought it back in. Um, uh, was it, there, there was a pay-per-view. I think it took place in, I'm i I'm probably way off here, but it was either Costa Rica or Puerto Rico. It was a mm-hmm. new year's revolution. And that's when they finally started bringing it back annually. But that, th- this was the most memorable one. Like I can't think of, you know, that New Year's Revolution one. I remember the 03 one like it was yesterday because it was, man, that, that one pissed me off. But this was fantastic. <laughs> I, I freaking love this pay-per-view. Like, I've I've enjoyed going through 02 a lot more than I have going through 01 on the, on the retro side of things. And this one's no yeah. different. I mean, we're going to have some pretty B-level B-shows coming up when when the pay-per-views go brand exclusive. But this... This goes off with a bang. This gives Shawn Michaels his last run as world champion because I I don't think he wanted to do the world champion bit when when he came back. But this was just a uh, a thank you to him because this was this was one of his comebacks because he wrestled in two thousand in the in his Texas Wrestling Academy. So this isn't quite his comeback tour, but this it it it, it actually is like for logistics purposes, yeah. but. This was damn good, and yeah, this is going to close off this show. Ricky, plug your stuff. Where can people find you? <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is King Ricky Rose, um, general manager of Wrestle Attic Radio, where you're listening to the Fretzelmania podcast on, um, and lead host of the Kings of the Rings podcast. You can find me personally at ambassador biggs across all social media outlets b i g z ambassador biggs uh find my podcast kings of the rings podcast at kotr underscore podcast wherever uh we are on social media which is pretty much everywhere uh kotr underscore podcast like share subscribe listen to us buy some merch from us or from the fretzelmania store um if you're listening to fretzelmania and wrestling radio which you are you can also listen to kings of the rings podcast each and every thursday that's when our show comes out on audio uh we also do the show live on twitter twitch youtube and facebook the prior night wednesday night starting at 8 p.m you can be part of that live conversation like mr fretz is uh pretty much every week in those live streams um and the full episode will be up the next day as well on our youtube and our twitch page uh as well um if you want to for wrestling radio in particular where we're houses the king's rings podcast and the fretzelmania podcast as well as the brace for impact podcast and the young lines perspective podcast which is on a brief hiatus uh, or sabbatical at the moment um follow wrestle addict radio's social media at addict underscore wrestle on twitter twitter and wrestle addict radio everywhere else and if you're listening to us please uh subscribe to us wherever you listen to all of your podcast stuff i know mr fretz does a good job of putting all of the links 
in the description below and make sure also make sure holiday season is coming up we have some great fretzelmania merchandise we have some great kings of the rings merchandise we have some great generic wrestle radio merchandise hoodies stuff some of the most comfortable clothing that you clothing and items you can possibly buy for for a for a fair amount and we have some discount codes for you guys too as well so please go check out our own personal individual stores and buy what you like i know fret's already put his order in he's got some good stuff coming well i did some christmas shopping already and uh in the new year i'm gonna get some stuff uh stuff for myself and i i, re- I really want to plug here uh if you're okay with it ricky tales of an epic nature as well Oh yeah, it's your it's your show. Go plug whatever you want. Oh yeah, I did. I do need to do another episode, but thank you. Go ahead, plug it. So. Yeah, so Tales of an Epic Nature is a solo show that King Ricky here does, uh, basically about his life. And I've been finding the last couple of ones really intriguing. Like his his one one his one about about your battle with COVID, Ricky was was really was really good, really eye opening. I, I I did that like one. That. I get a lot of, um, especially when that one came out. I will say. I got a lot of positive feedback from that, especially from, I have some friends who are nurses in the field. They reposted like, this is what COVID is actually like. Absolutely. <laughs> it's good stuff. And I really want to put over, uh, Zach has been doing some stuff on his solo, on some solo stuff on his end of things, on his personal feed, on the Young Lions perspective, journeying his uh, dealings with therapy. And it's some really good things. Mental health is something, I'll be honest, I don't think about it that much. I think I'm, you know, okay, but it's really, uh, I can't think of the right word. It's, it's interesting to hear about other people's journeys and them putting it out in the open. And it's something that should be put out in the open. And I applaud Zach for that greatly. You can, and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I dabble a little bit in TikTok, trying to get back into it, maybe at Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. All the merch stuff that King Ricky talked about links are in the description below. Written in War is there. We have a Patreon. You know, there's not a lot of Patreon content happening right now. I want to get some stuff out. I want to bring back Frex's Fay 5. But when when I get the time, I really want to get some stuff in there. So thank you very much for listening to this. Thank you, King Ricky, for coming on the show. We'll have to have you again for uh, for another one, sir. Absolutely. I'm always available for you, Mr. Fretz. That, that is spectacular. Thanks ever, very much, everyone. We'll see you next time. See ya.